we just love you, we adore you, we worship you. You're holy, you're holy, you're holy, you're holy. There's no other name but your name, Jesus. And we just thank you for your grace that's here. We thank you for your presence that's here. And we just want to say we love you. Amen. Amen, amen. You guys can take a seat. Awesome, just awesome to be in this in this room with you guys, really, in this place. Thanks, team. Thanks, band. Appreciate you so much. So, so awesome. Because someone, Ali, could you just get my the little lectern thing? It'd be fantastic. Thank you. Hey, awesome, guys. I don't know about you, but I just thank you so much. You're incredible. Not only pipes from heaven but you just got big guns as well. That's great. Um, every time I come uh, to be in like a service, I guess we call this a gathering, a service, and a moment, I always just don't want to move on from that moment. Like, I just, let's just stay there. So good. Um, but I do know that God wants to, wants to speak to us, so I'm here to share. Now, I always say if you're new to hearing messages, and even if you're not, um, and maybe we get into bad habits, I would say we're asking the Holy Spirit to speak. So I'm going to say some words. But we're really saying it's not about, oh, did I, did I get that? Did I remember that? Do I agree with all that? It's funny, God, what are you trying to say in the middle of this? As the word is opened up, as we speak the written word, we're believing that the spirit word gets planted in our hearts. Um, if you are new to church, or you, I know we've got some people that have been I don't know, lugged along for the baby to the guy. I don't lugged. It's not, is that a word? Um, brought along. I just want to say an extra special thank you, the crew here. I want to say an extra special thank you to everyone, really, um, for being here. But for those where this is not your usual, this is not your normal, um, and maybe you're feeling like a fish out of water, I want to say just, yeah, uh, just feel free to be yourself here, just to relax, take it in, and sit back and see what happens in these scenarios, I guess. I always... I have it. My heart is always, thanks, Susie. Susie said, lugged is a word. Thanks. Um, my heart intention in these moments is always for people that maybe feel um, like church is this big foreign thing um, or this big, Whoa, just to go, hey, you know what? Just check it out. Just be yourself in this moment. We're not expecting you any, any, any thing. Just be here. You're, you're welcome here. And I also would say the second tier of that would, if you are like, I'm not sure about this God, uh, and, and you just kind of, I'm not sure about faith, what I would say is just drop, drop some preconceptions because there's some things sometimes we believe that block us from who God truly is. Actually, all of us have things that block us from who God truly is, and he takes us on this journey of clearing the path and showing us a very loving God, a loving Father, a gracious and wonderful Savior, and a beautiful and strong spirit that God uh, is truly wants us to be at home with Him and close to Him and in with His family, in with who He is. He's far more powerful, far more loving, far more intelligent, far more onto it than we could ever imagine. 
And so it's, it's an exciting thing. So I know that the Spirit of God is here right now, and He's actually speaking to every heart. So it's an exciting thing. So Jesus, be here, and uh, would you speak? In the middle of all my um, words, uh, would you speak? Amen. I want to talk about faith alone and Christ alone. I've been on an interesting journey this year that a lot of my theology um, that I once thought was solid is not so solid. So there's a lot of stuff that I thought, that's what I believe, that's what I believe. Now I'm like, oh, I don't know, I could give or take that. I'm not quite sure anymore. The one thing that's landed for me or stayed deep inside my soul is that uh, Jesus Christ is Lord. And I have faith alone in him. Um, there are other things there as well, but I feel like a lot of my convictions have kind of lifted up into the air. And then other ones have come down, and I'm trying to go, oh, man, there's so much that I'm not sure about, about life. Life is weird, right? Am I the only one that just kind of goes, and then people tell you what you should do? Have you ever had that? And you know, like, we all do, because we all do it to each other, so we've all had it. Um, and best intentions. So there's, like, I do it. Doing it right now. <laughs> um, we all say, you know, we, we, here's what you should do. Here's in this scenario, do this. What if you rest more? What if you pray more? Got to contend. Got to declare. Got to do this. Got to read the word. Got to read it like this. Got to read it like that. Got to talk to people like this. Got to be growing. Got to self-improve. This is how you should do it. Here's what you should be doing. This works for me. And all really great stuff. But if you're like me, you get all of this clutter, whether it's about Buying a home or parenting. Whoa, parenting. Am I right? <laughs> well, here's what worked for me. Shouldn't they be more advanced by now? Blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, all these things. And you kind of go, or, or in the church. Oh, this is, this is what you should do. Here's how you should do it. And as a young pastor coming in, definitely felt a lot of that. And in the middle of it going, man, I've heard a lot from people. And it's great because it's what we do. But in the middle of it going, God, what are you saying? And I guess this is a message for me. Faith alone in Christ alone. Faith alone in Christ alone. Why is it important that we're talking about this? One, because if we're adding to what Jesus has done, we're denying the power of who he is. So I'm talking to the Christians right now. If we add to who Jesus is, we might find ourselves worshiping someone who's not Jesus. Because he doesn't need to be added to. And two, because God is so, so good. And those that don't know him or have lost sight of him or have had a blockage in their view of him can experience the wonder of amazing grace this morning. So I want to speak from Acts. It's a book in the Bible. Oops. <laughs> Sorry. Acts 15, 1 to 15. Certain people, this is such an interesting story. Acts, if you don't know, I've been reading through Acts a lot in my um, own time, and it's like, it actually probably is one of the most challenging books in the Bible. I would have always normally thought it would have been like Revelations or Daniel or Leviticus. It's one of those convoluted passages about who knows what, but it moves so fast. The church doubled. The church did this. They went and did that. And, and you're like, whoa, like, What? For me as a Christian, I'm like, and as a leader, uh, it really challenges me about a lot of who God is um, and a lot of what potentially as humans we add to that and as, and as church institutions we add to that and we create all these things on top of who God is and, and, and I feel like God spends a lot of his time wanting to break us loose from some of these views of him. 
Acts 15, 1 to 11. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers. So this is the early church. And they're all just, um, these are the believers of Jesus. Uh, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Important word there is unless. And I'll get to that. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through, I'm going to guess Phoenicia, Phoenician blinds. And I was going to say, and the blind people in that town were called Phoenician blinds, but that just feels a bit mean, so I won't say it. Phoenicia, Phoenicians, Phoenicians. And uh, Samaria, got that one, took for me, yay. They told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of Pharisees, still believers, stood up and said, these Gentiles, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. So that was the argument. Should these people who are not part of our Jewish custom, now they've said yes to Jesus, should they also now do our Jewish custom? Jesus who fulfilled the law. As Jews, we've become Christians. You know, we've become Christians, but we keep the the law. Uh, We keep the law of Moses and we're circumcised. And the apostles and the elders met to consider this question. Should they be following the same custom? After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Aren't you thankful for a God that purifies our hearts? We don't have to purify our own hearts, right? Sometimes I think, We spend a lot of time trying to sort our own hearts out instead of just giving them on over to God and allowing Him to work in them. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. Nothing but faith. So I've got three quick points attached to, not attached, that that come out of this passage in Acts. So there's this discussion going on. This great thing is happening. These people are filled with the Holy Spirit. They have said, man, we believe Jesus. We have this new life in God. This is amazing. And the Jews are like, yeah, this is so good. A couple of extras. A couple of extras for you. Oh, that's so good that you have faith in God. But here's also what you need to do to be saved. Nothing but faith. I think this is important because I've seen this in my own life and I've seen this around my life for sure. The sneakiness of adding to what God has done. They're like, oh, you know, now I'm a Christian. I've got to make sure I'm a good person. Eh. I've got to go to church every Sunday. Eh. If I don't read my Bible every day, I'm going to eh. I'm not, I'm not saying those aren't good things and they don't give you life. I'm not, there are a lot of things that we structure that are good. I'm not poo-pooing structure or religious institution at all. At all. Hear my heart here. But what, what sometimes we do is we go, yeah, we're saved and we get this new life and then we 
bring others into or even ourselves are brought into, and here's what else you must do. I, I feel from how I read the word and my relationship with Jesus, all of this stuff flows to God, to Christ, and from Christ. Even from Christ, in Christ, we now have a relationship with the Father. In Christ, we now have the Holy Spirit in us. Faith alone and Christ alone. Faith alone and Christ alone. If we say things like, oh, if you don't get baptized, you won't be saved. We're saying it's faith, faith in Christ plus baptism. If we're saying, oh, you've got to believe in Christ and, and make sure you're always reading the Word, we're saying it's faith in Christ plus the Word. Now, those things are not bad things. This, 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 but, but there should be no competition with faith in Christ. And when we begin, and I'm going to say this again because I thought it was such a glorious point last week. When we balance lives and balance theology and balance faith, we begin to hold things up against God. I'm balancing my life, so I've got a bit of it for God, and a bit of it, bit of it, bit of it for my kids, and a bit of it for the things I really enjoy, and a bit of it for that, whatever. We balance. The kingdom of God is not a, a life of balance, it's a life of priority. I think what we really want from balance is sureness. And God gives that when we prioritize him. Matthew 6, 33 says, put my kingdom first, put first my kingdom and all these things will be given to you. In the passage that says, don't worry about all this stuff. Put me first and I'm going to bless you. And you see it all the way from, from the beginning of the Bible to the end. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and it will go well with you and your family. I'm, the more I've, I've been reading a lot of Deuteronomy at the moment, I'm like, there are a lot of attachments to physical blessing. But that's another point. I'm just saying, there's a lot of attachment and, hey man, you worship me and there's going to be a promised land with milk and honey. You worship me and, oh, you're, it's going to go well for your kids. That's just a little side note there. I think sometimes we do this thing called higher purchase salvation. So, you can imagine, right? You go into Harvey Norman. All the different salvation. I can't, I can't put it across the... I'm just thinking of fridges. And... <laughs> We have a fridge that we're paying off. So, wow, so amazing. It even does shards of ice that we never got connected, so it doesn't. But, you know, it's so shiny, which I didn't think about with kids. They just, their handprints are so visible. You don't want shiny when you have kids. You want matte because you don't want the marks. Anyway, you buy this, and then the contract kicks in, and you have an obligation to pay it off. And I think sometimes we go, oh my gosh, salvation, God's, because like, this is the thing, right, with the gospel, if you don't know, Jesus, who created us, I always get excited telling the gospel, like I just always get excited hearing it. Jesus created me, then he walked the earth he created, gave up his life, paid for what I could never pay for by myself, my wickedness, my selfishness, my pride, and, and through Christ, I'm now connected to my Father. I am saved. I am delivered. I am brought out of. I have new life. It's not all on my shoulders anymore. That's the, the thing I, I see when I look across. I'm like, I was talking to my, I was, was going to say who was I'm like, I, I don't want to now. I was talking to someone and we we're talking about, <laughs> we're talking about faith and we're talking about discussion of, you know, are there better non-Christians than Christians? I'm like, sure, I know lots of non-Christians that are just way nicer than Christians. But the point of being a Christian is not that we're nice. Although we would hope that being in Christ, the kindness from him flows through us. There's a journey. There's a process of salvation. But I'm a Christian not because I'm a good person. 
I'm a Christian because I'm, I'm in deep need. I'm in deep distress without God. I, I became a Christian because I realized that I, I just am not enough without Him. So a Christian is not like someone up in an ivory tower saying, oh, look how grand I am. Come and join me. It's more like someone that, like a beggar telling his other bigger friends, oh, look, I found some food. <laughs> like this is, this is me. Man, oh my, and then I found this food freely given. And while I was looking at scraps on the, on the ground, I realized there was a table set for me in a house that I didn't deserve to go in. But the father welcomes me in and I get to eat at the table with the, with the king. So what we do is we have this moment of salvation and then we go, I've got to pay it off by being a good person. It's called moralism and it's not the gospel. So if you find there are things in your life that are amoral, unmoral, not good, we go, I think John 14, that was our verse for the year, chapter for the year, it's John 14, right? John 15, thanks. Um, we, <laughs> we remain in him. We get close to relationship with Jesus and we say, hey, I've got some problems, Jesus. And he goes, I know. <laughs> and we go, can you help me out? And he goes, I can. And he processes him with us. And we realize that although the world rages around us, there's this peace that grows inside of us, this joy, and it's the self-control, this power, we begin to grow Goodness flows out of us. But it's not because I'm a Christian, I have to be good. It's I have faith in God, and having faith in God produces works. Arguably, no works, no faith. But because faith without works is dead. I'm always intrigued with the I'm a good person discussion. Because I think it's based off relative truth rather than absolute truth. You have to be good compared to someone else. Really what you're saying is I'm better than them. You don't know I'm a good person. I'm not a Hitler, you know. I'm better than them. I'm not quite as good as Mother Teresa, but I'm not Hitler. So man, I'm a I deserve to go to heaven. And God's like, it doesn't matter what you deserve. I want you to come into heaven where you have a relationship with me. But then in relationship, we don't go, oh, God, I've got to work for you. I've got to work this off. I've got to make sure I'm earning enough points here. We go, no, God, I'm walking with you, and, and where you go, I go. And what you work on, I'm open to. And if you truly do that, you'll find God works on stuff. And it can be painful, and it can be hard, but his goodness and kindness flows out of you. But the goal is not being a good person. The goal is I'm connected to the one who is. Because the scary thing, if the goal is about being a good person, is it's all about you. And it's all about your, your ability to be that good. And that terrifies me. Part of being a Christian is I'm terrified of having that weight on myself. Like, I truly have to, I, like, I have to be good enough? Oh, my gosh. Not going to happen. <laughs> have you seen my thoughts? You know, like, get away, get away. You know, like, I need God. And I need God in every step. Nothing but faith. And I love this moment um, in Stranger Things. <laughs> um, Hebrews 11 says, Faith is sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. And there's this moment where this young boy, one of the main guys in their group of like the Goonies and, and their friends, telekinetic, anyway. 
And <laughs> the bullies are running up and they're getting to this rock face, these rocks up there, and there's a cliff over the edge, and it's a massive cliff, and if you jump off, you're surely going to die. And the, the bullies are coming up, and one of them grabs his friend Dustin. He goes, I'm going to cut him. If you don't jump off the cliff, I'm going to cut his throat. And he's like, oh, no. And his friend's like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Are you with me? And then he's like, what do I do? What do I do? And his friend's like, you better do it. And then in this moment, this decision, and I always consider this feels like faith to me. This moment, this decision, he, he just runs and jumps off the cliff. So for those of you going, man, what does faith look like? Screenshot that. And he jumps. And just at the right time, his friend, Eleven, who can move things with her mind, um, he jumps off and he disappears from the camera view. And then the camera spins around and he's just suspended there in midair. He didn't know she was there. But he had faith. I mean, this is just a story, isn't it? Funny little sci-fi story. And she, you know, moves him up and he comes up off the cliff and the bullies get it, you know. Um, But that's what I consider faith. You take a risk, you go, oh man, this can't surely just be on my own shoulders. Man, God says it's on his shoulders. I'm just going to take a leap. Kierkegaard, a a, a philosopher, theologian says, faith is just risk. It's It's just a leap off a cliff. I love that. It's sure of what we hope will happen. And as we talked about with hope last week, we can have a sureness with hope because he already went to the cross. We can look forward into the future knowing he already went there for us. So faith is a leap off a cliff. Faith is an open heart. It's very much a relational thing. And I think even though we surround it with structure and system, and you know, I'm going to be honest with you, I love structure and system. I'm a planner. I'm not a details planner, but I'm a planner. I love plans. I'm constantly having to submit my plans to God. Because <laughs> I've got a lot of good plans. It's even worse when you think God gave you that plan and it doesn't work out and you go, what now? I love planning. I love it. I love structures and systems. If structures serve the vision, we do it. If structures serve the relationship, we do it. If structures create more room, we do it. But faith is an open heart. Faith is not a structure. So nothing but faith, unless you are circumcised, unless you are doing this, unless you, no, 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 just faith alone. What else should I do? Just have faith in Christ. What does that mean? Have a relationship with Christ. What does that look like? Start having a relationship with Christ and see. But what does that mean? Just have a relationship with Christ. But what do I do? You just have an open heart. God, if you're there, Jesus, I want a relationship with you. I've seen it done a million different ways. You just say, at one point, your heart goes, I want more than just what I've got. It's internal, not external. And in 1 Samuel, it says, there's this moment where Samuel's looking at the external and, and, the, and, and the Lord says to Samuel, do not consider his appearance. They're looking for a king. Or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance and the Lord looks at the heart. And I think we could all go, yeah, I get that. We all get that, right? The pretense of having to live in this world, having to measure up in some kind of facet. And I feel, I never thought I would feel parent shame, but there was a moment where things didn't quite work out. And I, man, I actually began to feel like, oh man, I'm not doing good enough as a dad here. I'm not measuring up as a dad here. And the reality is, even in church circles, all we can see is things through our eyes. All we can sense is what we've got. 
what we can feel, what we can touch. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God that He came in His Spirit and not just speaking audibly. I always think when people are really proud of the audible voice of God, I'm like, no, I want the Spirit voice of God because I want to learn how to get close and personal. Because God doesn't want to yell at everyone. He wants to whisper. He wants to draw them in. He wants them to sense Him. He looks at the heart, so He wants to get to the heart. Heart first, fruit follows. So this is not a message that says, there's no works, there's no fruit, there's no, none, none of this, none of this discipline. None of, no, no, it follows. It follows a relationship with God. If your heart is submitted to God, He will do a work. And that is an incredible sureness to have as a Christian in the middle of life that feels wonky. He's working on the root system. Some of you need to know that right now. Some of you feel like you've got no fruit. I believe God just wants to say, but you just want it. You want it. I feel like God just wants to say to you right now, the fruit's not there, but God's working on the root system. The fruit will come. God's working on the root system. You might not see it, but God's working on the root system. You can trust that God is working on the root system. Nothing but faith. Faith is an open heart. Amazing grace. It's in, through the grace of the Lord Jesus that we are saved, just like they are. Amazing grace, amazing grace. Grace gives us what we don't deserve. Grace forgives us our wrongs. Grace brings out our true identities. Grace is powerful. Grace was paid for by Jesus on the cross. By the grace of God, we can stand and have our being and have our breath. By the grace of God, we get what we don't deserve. By the grace of God, we don't have to measure up somehow, some way, because He did for us. It's that good, it's that free. It's that powerful. Christians, we, I think sometimes we try to minimize, and I'm not speaking this over you, I've just maybe over history. You know, I'm surely not us, surely not in this room, but um, maybe myself. We minimize grace because it's terrifying how free it is. Mostly with other people. <laughs> it's funny to me, do you not like see it? Because like, oh, surely they're not in the grace of God. Have you seen what they did the other day? <laughs> like, like, okay. <laughs> Grace is that good. It's like all those comments. You don't know the battle someone's facing. You don't know the journey they're on. They're all true and grace of God enables us to live in that state. We're not trying to weigh up. We're not trying. You have to judge if you're trying to be a good person. You have to. You can surrender judgment when you're just a grace person. Are you a good or bad person? If someone asks you that next, you say, I'm a grace person. I'm just in the grace of God. And it's like the grace of God is like rain that falls. I was out running last weekend and the hail came. And I couldn't see. I just couldn't see. It was so heavy, so intense. Anyone else get caught out there? I was only 3K into an 11K run and I just could not see. Hey, buddy. Here's what it looks like to have grace or maybe not to have grace. Grace of God is like the pouring rains. And some of us have the umbrellas up. And God's like, come out, the water's fine. Let the, gray, let the grace wash away your sin. Let the grace wash away your shame. Let the grace wash away your pain. Let the grace give purpose to your pain. Let the grace fix you and restore you and redeem you and hold you and love you and be gentle with you and teach you and discipline you and, and create trust with you. Let the grace fill you up. Let the grace give you joy. Let the grace be your peace. Let the grace be your sureness and stability. The grace of Jesus. When I'm talking grace, I'm talking Jesus. God who became human. 
and who took on the weight of wretchedness and wrongs so that we could live in his incredible grace. What is grace? Grace is connection with the Father. Uninterrupted relationship. All the beauty of God. Close and personal. Something we can share in and not just be next to. And here's the thing for some of you. God is not just something to be known about. He's someone to be known of. And here's the thing sometimes, guys, and I want to say this with a, with a heavy heart and a soft heart. Some of you are just next to God. Not in Him. Some of you are just next to God. And what happens when we're just next to God is we feel like we have to do things for Him. When we're in God, in all He is, we are Him and He is us. I don't really get that, to be honest with you. It, it, it's just confusing to me. But that, that's what the Bible says. We're in Christ. We're new creations. The Holy Spirit's in us. We're in God. He's in us. What does that mean? I don't know. But it's far better than being separate from God. And He's, he's made the first call, the first reference point. Ephesians 2, 5 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. So I want to talk to three groups. One, for some of you, this is maybe just a spectator moment. You're allowed to do that because you're a free person. There are two other groups, and I want to focus in on you. One, you need to be reminded of the amazing grace of God. You need to be reminded. You follow Jesus, but we need to be reminded. If you're like me, you need constant reminding from the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And three, those who want to begin a relationship with Jesus, to live forever in the grace that utterly saves, dramatically transforms, brings out the best of, and paves a way for true life. amazing grace how sweet the sound has saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found I was blind but now I see sometimes we get so used to blindness we don't know what seeing looks like sometimes we get so used to lostness we don't want to know what being found looks like I'm just going to give you a hint being with Christ is like I don't have to worry about tomorrow I don't have to overthink the crappy things I've done yesterday And I can be sure and steady even when things just go absolutely the worst because they do sometimes. And in the most painful or mundane or even exciting moments, I get to be tethered to kindness, tethered to goodness, tethered to power, tethered to God. That's why we sing. That's why we come together. That's why we worship. Because we're terrified of being anywhere else but then under the grace of God. I'm sure that's what the fear of the Lord is. I'm terrified of being anywhere else. I just want to be with my Father. I don't want to be be disconnected. I don't want to be doing it by myself. I want to be with my Heavenly Father. He's good to me. He won't abuse me. He won't hurt cause hurt to me. He'll hold me through it all. He'll take me through it all. So there, there are two kind of prayers. 
there's one mindset here I want to talk to you. Maybe you're saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I tried to add to you, Jesus, that I ever thought it was about me being good enough or a good enough Christian or a good enough person. Let me live in your amazing, paid-for grace all the days of my life, forever held, never forgotten, light as a feather, even in the heaviest storms and in the process with Jesus that I can be sure of. Do we want to be more peaceful, more kind, more gentle, more self-controlled? Do we want to be people that, are, that, that give to this world? Yes. But that's actually up to Him, working in us. Our job is surrendering to Him. His job is doing a work in us. And two, I'm sorry that I tried to live my own way, trusting myself over the God who holds this world in His hands. I take a risk. I take a step of faith, just like Mike off the cliff. A move of trust, a moment of surrender. I don't want to live on what I can achieve or work for. I want to live in extraordinary, paid for, amazing grace. And it's easy to start the journey. And it's a journey that's worth taking. And it's a journey we were made to walk.